ask you a question. Uh, I want you to think back to your very first paycheck. Do you remember your very first paycheck? Um, I don't know if you remember how much it was. That's incredible. But your first kind of real job, like maybe in high school or something like that, where you got an actual check. Do you remember what that felt like when you got your very first check and it was printed and it had your name on it and a bunch of numbers? You didn't know what they meant and you were so excited. I remember my very first job. I had a couple jobs uh, when I was 14. I had a job, a couple jobs like babysitting, uh, one job where I sanded down 10 speeds, got paid under the table. It was probably illegal, but uh, I got a real job at a legacy company that I am proud to say I'm a part of the family of this company. My first real job uh, was at Blockbuster Video. Yeah. And it's, I'm so glad I, I just got on, I got on their train because they are not stopping uh, anytime soon. Oh, wait, they don't exist anymore. There's one left in America. Anyway, the point is my first check, I felt, do you remember what that felt like? I felt like I was the richest person in the world. I remember getting that. I didn't, I didn't have a, a, a checking account. I didn't have anything like that at that point. I had to get a checking account because to do, I don't know what to do with this uh, check. And I didn't have one. Think about your, how complicated was your life when you got that first paycheck? I mean, really, what, like, what were your major pressures and expenses at that point? I was buying like another skateboard and an MC Hammer CD. Like there wasn't a lot of complexity to my life. I felt amazing when I got that check. You remember that feeling? That's how God wants you to feel about your money. That's how he wants you to feel about the money that you have that's a part of your life right now. That feeling of, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get this. That's actually the feeling God longs for you to experience with the resources that you actually already have. We're kicking off a brand new series today called This Abundant Life, and we're going to be looking at and talking real honestly about the abundance of God in the resources of our life. And what do we do with what God has so graciously and generously given to us? What if you were to take that feeling that you first felt with that very first check and apply it to your life today? What if you actually saw your money as a blessing rather than a burden? Like, you're like, you're like, I cannot believe I've been entrusted with this. What a blessing. I get to manage a miracle of God in my life. Rather than seeing it as a burden or something heavy or something that there's never quite enough of. We're calling this teaching series, This Abundant Life, because that is actually what it is. That's what God's invited you into. But if we were to be really honest, that's not always how it feels, Right? When it comes to our finances, when it comes to our money, we're going to be talking about the next couple of weeks. That doesn't always feel like this abundant life. Lots of times it feels like this anxious life, this stressful life, this strapped life. And it's hard to at times find God in the midst of it. I remember when Jeannie and I first got married uh, and we, we didn't have many bills, but we had real ones, like real ones that we had to pay. And we weren't making a ton uh, and I remember those, uh, like the budget really mattered in those days because if we overspent, there was no more money there. We had to watch what we ate, when we ate, where we ate, all that kind of stuff because it was, we just had just a little bit as we were just kind of starting out and it didn't feel abundant at the time. It felt anxious at times for us. Like, oh man, God, are you gonna, how are we going to do it? Are we ever going to get out of this tiny little apartment, God? Are we ever going to have a little bit more room, a little bit more space? We've been driving this 88 Honda Prelude forever. God, is there ever going to be? That doesn't feel like abundance, God. You know, I get it. It feels anxious. When we started this church, 
We left great paying jobs. They put money in our bank every two weeks, paid for all of our health insurance. It was absolutely amazing. Paid for cell phones. It was fantastic. And when we left all of that to start this church, we went uh, a year and a half without a paycheck. We were the last folks to get paid here at Soul City. Intentionally so. We wanted to have others do that. I'm, I'm, I, could, I could try and preach a sermon on this abundant life back then, but I'm telling you, week in, week out, it was, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, please. I called every place I ever spoke at ever in my life and said, I need you to bring me back to speak and pay me twice as much as you paid me last time. <laughs> That's abundant life. Like I... I never counted on God. I never was aware of how much I needed God until I felt that strap. Do you know what that feeling feels like? I think for so many of us, that's when it comes to our finances. That's what we tend to feel. In fact, there was a survey done by an organization called Varo earlier this year, and they polled a bunch of different people. They found that 30% of the people they polled said that they feel constantly stressed about their money. One in three people feel constantly stressed about their money. And that the vast majority feel regularly stressed or anxious about their money. And I think so often when we feel that, this anxious life, I think there is a willingness for us to go to God. I think lots of folks, whether you feel close to God or not, or been walking with God a long time, I think when you hit the wall, when you can't see how you're going to make ends meet, when you're not sure how it's all going to work out, your prayer life tends to go up a little bit more in those seasons, doesn't it? The prayers, though, tend to be something like, oh God, oh God, oh God, please, oh God, oh God, please. Those kind of things, right? God, just let this credit card company just go bankrupt. Let's just let them forget all, just whatever happens, God, oh God, oh God, please, right? I mean, that's, we, t- we go to God. It's just a matter of when it is that we go to God. See, here's what I found to be true in my life. Maybe you found it to be true in yours, that when it comes to God and our money, we often go to God first with our financial problems, right? That's okay, but last with our financial plans. It's, we go, God, you know, first with our financial problems. And he hears you. He meets you. He loves you. He sees you. There's no judgment, no shame from God. We tend to go to first to God with our financial problems, but last with our financial plans. Like, hey, God, now that I have these resources, what would you like me to do with them? What's a wise way of me leveraging and managing the miracles that you've actually given me? So what we want to do today is we want to talk honestly about money in church, about God and you and your stuff. And we want to start with God. What would it look like for you to start with God, to seek what his plan is for your money? Now, you may be surprised to hear this, but you know that there's actually 2,350 verses in the Bible just about money alone. 2,350 verses. For those of you keeping score at home, that's a lot of verses. There's few things talked about more than money in the Bible. That's just something that comes up again and again and again. Now, why do you think that is? Is it because God's strapped? Is it because God's all about that money? Like, is that why you think it keeps coming up in the Bible? Probably not. Probably it's not about God being obsessed with money. It's because so often we are. We're obsessed with money, with getting it, with not having enough of it, that anxiety that comes from all the stuff that comes around money. So God talks about it honestly and openly, and God actually has a plan for you. It's a plan for freedom, for joy, 
for peace, for confidence, for wisdom when it comes to your resources. So we're going to look at one of those passages today. And to do that, I'm going to ask you to grab a Bible and open to Proverbs chapter 6. So if you have a Bible with you or you have it on your phone, awesome, you can do that. If you're watching online, just pull it up in another tab. Or if you're here in the room, grab the Soul City Bible and you can turn to page 514 in the Soul City Bible. That will actually get you to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to look at what this, how it is that we experience an abundant life when it comes to God and our stuff. Proverbs chapter 6. Let me give you some context as to where we're coming at in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon. A lot of it is a letter or letters to his son, to his children to pass on his wisdom. The Bible tells us, history tells us that Solomon was one of the wisest men at that point, the wisest man to ever have lived. But also the Bible tells us, history tells us that at that point he was the wealthiest man on the face of the earth. So he's a wise man, a wealthy man. It makes sense that we should listen to him. So Proverbs chapter 6, 6 says this. Now listen, Solomon's just going to go right to it. He says this, Go to the ant, you sluggard. That's going to come up a couple times. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. He's inviting you to pay attention to something you probably hardly ever pay attention to. Look what he says about the ant, verse 7. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. Now Solomon wants us to pay attention to Again, this thing that's overlooked probably a thousand times in your life. You've, we're going to talk about ants more today than you've talked about ants probably maybe ever in your life today. Because there's a fascinating point that Solomon brings up. The ant is a creature who has no boss, no life coach, no side hustle. Yet this ant knows exactly what to do. In fact, if we were to release uh, a thousand ants in this room right now, first of all, that would be gross. But second of all, they would know exactly what to do. They'd find the nearest source of food and they begin to get to work right away. They wouldn't waste any time. They wouldn't get distracted. They wouldn't spend an hour scrolling through Instagram. You see, <laughs> Louis, I waited all week for that joke. Is that okay? I waited all week for that joke. That's good? Okay, good, 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 good. I'm a dad. I can say that joke. It's okay. <laughs> they wouldn't waste any time. Solomon's like, ants know something that we oftentimes forget. They seem to intuitively know that tomorrow's potential is proportionate to today's plans. That tomorrow's potential, for whatever may come in the future, is proportionate to today's plans. That my responsibility today affects my reality tomorrow. An ant knows that. Little tiny ant gets that, and lives its life according to it. Now, you know and I know that you cannot control everything. True? Okay, some of you, wow, you don't even, okay. All right, well, let's start there. You can't control everything. Okay, let me say it again. You can't control everything. You can't control everything. So it makes sense that you would take control of the things that you can control. What do I mean by that? Well, you, you don't control our national financial situation as a country right now. You don't control that. You don't control our state uh, of finances as a nation. You don't control the stock market. You had a crazy week this last week. You had nothing to do with that. You didn't control that. You can't control the housing market. You have no control over that. But what you do have control over is your money you can actually take radical responsibility with your money. That's what God is inviting us into, to be more and more like the ant. But 
Solomon gives us here a little compare and contrast. He says there's the ant who kind of gets it. They know. They know what they got to do. To have a big future tomorrow, it starts today. They know that. But then there's the sluggard. And he has, he has a few words to say to the sluggard. Verse 9, he says this. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? How long will you lie there? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. All right? Solomon is not messing around. He's saying to the sluggard, oh my gosh, how long are you going to wait to put a plan together? How long are you going to sit there in this state of irresponsibility? What do you think is going to change if you're not willing to change anything? He's saying, how long are you going to sit there and wait? These are two very different pictures that he paints, the ant and the sluggard. The ant makes a plan while the sluggard makes excuses. I'll get to it. Oh, I really need to get to that. I want to get to that. I need, once I make a little bit more money, then I'll. The ant takes responsibility. While apparently, according to Solomon, the sluggard takes a nap and misses out on the opportunity that God has given them. So I'm going to take a little pop quiz here. All right. I have high confidence in you that you're going to be able to ace this pop quiz. Okay. So I want you to think about the ant and the sluggard. Who's going to have more tomorrow, the ant or the sluggard? The ant, very good job. Who's going to be able to live off of more longer, the ant or the sluggard? The ant. Who's going to be able to be more generous tomorrow, the ant or the sluggard? The ant. See, the answer was all the ant. All you had to do is say the ant, and you got it right. That's the point that Solomon's making. Is that so often what is missed and misunderstood about this abundant life is that when it comes to the type of life you want to live with your resources, whatever it may look like, whatever your financial world may look like. Listen, you actually may be out of a job right now. You don't know where the next paycheck's going to come from. I'm telling you, I believe God has a word of freedom and truth and hope for you today. The kind of life that you long to live in your financial world, the kind of life God actually created you to live, no matter what the amount, actually comes down to you taking radical responsibility. You, only you, can take radical responsibility with your resources. You gotta live, you gotta have a plan. Now, I want you to go back to that first paycheck. Remember that? Remember you got that first paycheck? You were so happy. I want you to go back to that first paycheck. If you could go back in time to that person in that moment, knowing what you know today, if you could get in the DeLorean and go back and find them right where they are, what would you say to them? What would you say if you could find yourself right when you got that first check? It was me outside a blockbuster video, like, woo! What would I say to myself back then? I would tell myself, hey, you should, you should have a plan for this. You should probably have a plan. And I did the best I could with what I knew at the time. That's what, often what most of us do. I, I didn't have a checking account, so I went and set up a checking account. And, and that day, uh, they, the checks, they said uh, I could have something printed on them. Uh, for free. I could have a design on my checks for free. This is revolutionary to me. All my parents' checks were super boring, but I could have a design on mine. And they said, do you want a design? I said, is it free? They said, yes. I said, of course I want a design. <laughs> and so I chose uh, Looney Tunes. I had Bugs Bunny and all kinds of stuff <laughs> because that's how seriously I took my money at that time. I would go back to that sweet, sweet boy and I would say to him, hey, maybe like if you want to get a car eventually, like if you want to pay for college eventually, like if you... 
You should have a plan. It can be a really, really, really simple plan, but you should probably have a plan. My hunch is if you could go back to yourself in that moment, you would probably say the same thing. Why is that? Because here's like the truth. Here's like a welcome to the adult world truth. Everyone else has a plan for your money. Think about it. Everyone else has a plan for your money. They have a plan for your money. Everything. Think about it. Our government has a plan for your money. They've already spent your money six and seven different times. They have a plan for your money. Do you know that credit card companies, the, the reason they send you all those love letters is not because they care about you. It's because they have a plan for your money. They have a very real plan for your money. Nothing wrong with credit card companies. They just have a plan for your money. Think about your landlord has a plan for your money. Or your lender has a plan for your money. Netflix has a plan for your money. They love that you love to Netflix and chill and just hang out and binge and all that stuff. That's because they, have, they build business models around your money. Even the sweet people at Chick-fil-A have a plan for your money. Everyone else has a plan for your money. So the question is, do you? Do you actually have a plan for the resources that God has entrusted to you? What I want to do is walk you through a very simple, but I believe scalable plan that no matter how much you have or how much you make or whatever may be going on in your financial world, it's a plan that will work for you. It's flexible. It's scalable. It works whether you are single or engaged whether you're married, whether you have kids or don't, whether you are a kid, whether you're a student, honestly, this plan actually works. It's a plan that we use in our family. It's a plan that we've taught to our kids. If you've been around Soul City for a little while, you've heard us talk about this plan before. Listen, this is what's so amazing about this plan. You don't even have to call yourself a Christian for this plan to work. You could just be here investigating God and you came on, what a lucky day for you because this actually is going to be really helpful for your life. There's something you heard in church that is actually going to help you. And here's what I would say about this plan. It's never too late to implement this plan in your life. And it's never too early to implement this plan in your life. What I want to walk you through is something that really wise people have taught us, have taught Jeannie and I, and I've seen really wise people kind of build their financial life around, their abundant life, so that it's less and less and less a life of anxiety and more a life of living in the abundance and the fullness of God. And the way that they break it down is they look at their resources as going into three different containers, three different containers. And in fact, uh, we brought uh, some containers here today. This is the world's largest coffee mug, and if you want an express train to the emergency room, I defy you to drink all of this. So this is how they do it. They tend to break it down on percentages. Uh, they break it down by 10, 10, and then last one is, if anyone does quick math, 80. Who's, here, who's heard of the 10-10-80 plan? Anyone ever heard that before? It's a very, very, very basic plan, but it works. It absolutely can revolutionize and transform the way that you look at your resources. Uh, they say the first 10 is towards uh, giving, the next 10 is towards saving, and then that 80 is towards 
living. For the sake of our conversation today, I actually want to give it a little different framework that maybe will help you think of your resources in a fresh way. I want you to think of this first 10 as eternity, this next 10 as tomorrow, and then this 80 as today. Does that make sense? Today, tomorrow, and eternity. It's a way of actually looking at and breaking down your resources. And again, the smartest folks I know look at their resources and look at what God's entrusted them, the miracles that they've been invited to manage, and they say right off the top, right at the beginning, that a percentage. Now, a lot of folks start at 10% or get to 10%. The point is that you set a percentage of your resources, that it's consistent and clear with you and with God. And you say right off the bat, I'm going to give this percentage to God. I'm just going to invest in the things of God. And then I'm going to take the next and I'm going to invest into tomorrow. I'm going to take a percentage, whatever that may be for your life. And then the rest I live off of. I start with things of God. I start with eternity in mind first. I start with things bigger than myself. The smartest folks I know say, yep, that first percentage of whatever is entrusted to me, I give that to God right off the bat because they actually tend to believe what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, that he says that we should not store up for ourselves treasures here on earth that will eventually fall apart and fade away and in the end actually ultimately be worthless, but that we should invest into the things of God that will outlive us, that will go beyond us. They tend to believe that that is where real life, abundant life, is actually at, to invest in things eternal. Because the truth is, where your money goes first reveals what your heart values most. Where your money goes first reveals what your heart values most. And so they just say, well, I'm just going to take this first little percentage. Between them and God, they have it all set up. People use 10 as kind of a standard for that. Well, I'm going to just, boom, that goes straight to God right off the bat. And the smartest of the smartest people I know set this up online. (laughs) That's a plug. And it's true. It's how the majority of our church gives. It's how Gene and I have set it up. We've actually been able to be faithful to our giving since the very, remember when I told you we started this church, we didn't make any money? We still set it up to give a percentage of our what, I mean, it, it felt like we were just carrying the zero in those days. But we said, nope, God, we're going to set it up first because I don't want to mess it up. I'm going to set it up so I don't mess it up. I don't want to mess this one up. This one goes first to you, God. I'm going to give to things that are eternal. And then, smartest folks I know, take that next little percentage, whatever that may be, but it's clear and it's consistent, and they say, I'm going to invest that in tomorrow. I'm going to set aside a percentage for tomorrow. I, I just, I don't know what... Tomorrow will bring, remember, I can't control everything, so I can control this little portion, how I set this aside, so I'm just going to save for tomorrow. Hard to do in a world that values today and this moment as much as ours does. It's a countercultural thing at times, but listen to me. Your future self one day will look back at you today and say, thank you. Your future self will look back at you one day and say, thank you for getting this one right. I know you didn't have it all figured out. I know it was a little tough to get started. Maybe you felt like you started a little late. Thank you for putting something away for tomorrow. There's wisdom in that. It's the way of the ant. I'm going to store up for when 
I need it later. I'm just going to believe that that's going to be there for later. So smartest people I know, set aside that first percentage for God, that next percentage for tomorrow. And then listen, here's the fun part. The rest, that's for today. However it is that you want to spend it. Whatever it is that whatever the priorities are that you have in your life or whoever's collecting the bills in your life. I mean, it may be for you that that goes to credit card debt, or maybe for you that goes to uh, paying a mortgage, or maybe for you that goes to groceries, maybe for you that goes to clothing, whatever it may be. The, the point is that the rest is for you to move forward with wisdom and with confidence to say, yeah, I'm going to do the best I can with what's entrusted to me. I've already set this aside for things of eternity. I've already set this aside for tomorrow. And then the rest I get to work with and figure out however I need to. Do what you got to do. Do what you want to do. Do you, boo, whatever it is that you need to do. Just set aside in the beginning. This is for the things of eternity. These are for the things of God. This is for my future self for tomorrow. And then the rest I'm going to work out. There's a lot of great resources, a lot of great help. I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit to help you with that 80%. But the point is, of what we looked at in Proverbs 6 today, of the thing that you'd go back and tell yourself with that very first check, the point is to have a plan. To have a plan. To actually set your life up to prosper, to live and to experience the abundance and the fullness of God. To stop working for money and start making your money work for you. Did you, you know that you're the boss of your money? It's not the boss of you. You're the boss of your money, and you get to tell it where to go. Now listen, this is an incredibly simple plan, right? But it's a great place to start. It's a great place to build off of. I told you that we teach this to our kids. In fact, we began teaching this to our kids when they were uh, four and six years old. We started them on this 10, 10, 80 plan. And back then we did it in the kitchen and we did it with little glass jars. Each of them had their little glass jars that said, give, save, live. And we set it up and we would do it with, a, you know, their allowance was pretty small back in those days. And so we'd have to have a bunch of coins. You know, we'd have to like, okay, here's 10 cents. Here's 10 cents. Okay, here's 80 cents. And I felt like the guys at the Cubs game making change. Like it, who has coins anymore, right? And I would have to do math. Who wants to do math anymore? And so what we did earlier this year, just want to let you know about this. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you have kids, teens. I just want to let you know this is a quick free plug. We don't get anything off of this. I'm just sharing a resource with you. Earlier in this year, we found an app that we use in our family called Current. Current is what we set up our kids' finances online. It's how we've set it all up online. That's how we do ours. It makes so much sense for us to do it with them. We pay them a weekly salary for responsibilities around the house. And I know that you may be looking at that and seeing Gigi's name and the name above it is actually our son Elijah who renamed himself in the app Tide Pod <laughs> with a profile picture of Tide Pods because he's 13 and this is what he does. And so we set up their app, their system to go this way where they have their percentage. In fact, Elijah turned 13 this last week. I went in and reset his percentages and his amounts for him and set it up for each of those things. And it automatically goes. In fact, here's what's crazy. This app current actually gives our kids their own debit card. So they have their own debit card that they are responsible for. If they lose it, they pay for it. It's awesome. And Elijah this week set up his current account to work with his Apple Pay so he doesn't have to bother me to buy apps anymore. It is revolutionary for our family. And the reason I tell you that is because we want them to get this from a very young age because we don't want them to experience 
some of the unnecessary pain and burden that can come from missing out on the fullness of what God has for you with your finances. If there's any way we as their parents can help them to avoid some of that, we want to do that as much as we can. We want them to experience the abundant freedom that comes from living with a plan, a responsible plan with your resources. Because there's a reality that they don't know about yet. Because they're, they're little, they're young. They don't, they don't have a lot of, they're not like borrowing huge amounts of money. They're not borrowing any money at this point. But there's another container uh, that exists, and I probably should have told you about this one because this one can affect all of them. Uh, this container is your past, past purchases. This container uh, is yesterday. <laughs> and another word that you might want to think of with this is debt. And this container can consume all of the rest of this. And all kinds of us come at debt or into debt or out of debt, all from different reasons, all from different stories. But it is very, 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 very real. According to CNBC, the average American that carries credit card debt, so the average American carrying credit card debt is currently carrying $16,833 in credit card debt alone and is paying annually $1,300 a year in interest alone. You don't even get, you don't get points for that. That's just interest that you are paying. Why is that? Because they have a plan for your money. They got, and it's working, right? And lots of different reasons, no shame, no blame, none of that stuff. But a lot of us have purchases from our past that didn't fit into this plan that are, we're now carrying into our present day. And it affects every one of these containers. In fact, credit card debt is very real. A lot of folks wrestling to get out of credit card debt. A lot of different resources and tools and plans to help you do that. But do you know what actually is the number one killer of financial freedom and joy in our country today? Student loan debt. It has greatly eclipsed credit card debt. I don't know if you're cheering for student loan debt or just that someone finally said it in church. I'm not sure if you were. Okay, the second one. Okay, good. Okay, got it. Got it. It has greatly eclipsed, tripled credit card debt in our country. In fact, did you know that the average student loan for a graduate graduating in the year 2017, the average student debt amount is $39,400. That is when you start out out of college when you ain't making much and you owe that much. In fact, the, the, they figure that the average person with Student debt pays around $350 a month just to pay off the past. Do you see why it's so important to have a plan? Remember, if you could go back to yourself, what you would say, you'd say, oh man, have a plan and find a cheap school, <laughs> right? Because do you know where this container goes after first? You want to know what container this debt past goes after first? It goes after the things of eternity. It goes after your giving and says, I'll take that. We got to pay off the past first. What are you thinking about tomorrow for, future for, eternity for? We got debts to pay. Yes, yes, I know that you want to give. I know that you want to be consistent. I know that you want to be a part of what God's doing in the world. But we got to take care of this first. The first thing to go when this takes over is your giving to God. You're trusting God. The next thing 
is tomorrow. What are you talking about saving for tomorrow? What are you talking about retirement? Fool, we got to pay for last year. Like, what are you talking about? I'm not worried about 65. I'm worried about 23. What are we doing here? And it takes from tomorrow. And we'll set that up later. We'll set that up later. We'll set that up later. We got to take care of this. And that's very real. Listen, those of you who are carrying any amount of debt know how real it is, what a burden it is. It does not feel like an abundant life. It feels like an anxious life, doesn't it? And then it just makes its way over and says, I'll take as much of this as I want to. And I'll just keep taking and keep taking. And you can keep filling this up, but I'm just going to keep taking and keep taking and keep taking until it's taken care of. That's why it is so, 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 so important that whatever it is, however God leads, that you actually find a plan, have a plan, and live off of a plan because this cycle is consuming and it only leads to greater and greater scarcity and fear and anxiety in your life. That's why we make such a big deal around it about it around here. It's not because God's obsessed with money. It's because he wants you to be free. He's obsessed with you and your freedom for you to experience the abundance that he offers so fully, so freely for you. So when we talk about homework around here, we talk about homework a lot as a church. You know, how, what's the next step? How do we do that? How do I apply this to my life? Uh, I can't think of a better next step, a little homework for you, for me, for anyone and everyone than to get a plan. It's never too early. It's never too late to get some sort of plan together. And wouldn't you know it, it just so happens that we happen to have a next step for you to help you do that. It's just a crazy coincidence in the calendar, but in two weeks, we are offering our Money Wise Workshop. This is one of the best next steps that you can take. Uh, incredible, integrity-filled financial leaders from our church volunteer, give of their time and their wealth of wisdom to help you get on a plan, get out of debt. They have all kinds of different workshops for how to budget, how to do it as a family, how to do it for small businesses, for entrepreneurs. It's unbelievable the creativity that they offer, and it's an incredible next step. And here's what I want to say. It's coming up in two weeks. We're giving you plenty of time. I want to see 100 folks from our church sign up and show up. I'd love to see more. I'd love to see 100 folks sign up and show up and say, why would I hide anymore around this? Why would I walk around with this burden or shame or just feeling so weighed down? God, I, want to, I want to experience the abundance that God talks about. And I want to encourage you to go online today and sign up and show up. I think you will be so grateful that you did. I believe God wants to take you to the next level of experience his love and his freedom for you. But you, you have to take responsibility to do it. Only you can do that. So we talked about how everyone else has a plan for you, for your finances. But you know that what's actually above all of those plans and any one of our earthly plans is God's plan for you. God has a plan for you. And it's often cited, but often um, misunderstood or misapplied. But the truth of the matter is God does have a plan for you. In fact, I wonder if anyone here actually believes what God says in Jeremiah 29, 11, when he says, I know the plans I have for you. I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. And these plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. They're plans to actually give you a hope and a future. God has a plan for you. It's not to take 
from you, but he has so much for you. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to live an abundant life, fully connected to him, taking radical responsibility with what he's entrusted to you. God has a plan for you, and he demonstrated the lengths to which he would go to show you his love in what we're about to experience together as a church. Every month we stop and we, we pause and we take a break to remember the reality of what's at the center of it all, to remember the reality of a crucified and resurrected Jesus, of a one who came to walk among us, to give his life for us so that we could be in a relationship with God. It's incredibly important that we don't get lost in all of this and miss Jesus. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask our amazing volunteers to come forward right now, and we're going to actually pass out elements of communion. We're going to pass out a bread and cup, and all I want you to do, if you're here, if you're in our overflow space, uh, is just hold on to it. If you're watching online, someone's probably not coming to you right now, uh, so that's just for those of us here. Just hold on to the bread, hold on to the cup, and I want you to just think about the lengths to which God has gone to demonstrate his generous love, his outrageous grace, the lengths to which he would go to offer himself, his son, so that you could actually live, you could actually have that abundant, full life that Jesus promised in John 10.10. There's two elements that are being passed out right now, the bread and the cup. And I just want to say a word while you hold on to the each of those. The bread is a symbol that Jesus used the night that he gathered his disciples together, just hours before he would be arrested and falsely tried for crimes that were trumped up on him, but he knew this was God's plan all along. Before he headed to the cross and before he left the tomb empty, he gathered his friends and followers together and he took bread off the table and he broke it. And he said, every time you see this bread, every time you break this bread, I want you to be reminded of my body broken for you. I want you to be reminded that I came to be with you. That's what the bread reminds us of. God came to be with you. And he said, every time you see it, every time you break it, every time you take it, let it be a reminder that my body was broken for you. And in the same way, the Bible tells us that he took the cup and he poured wine out and he said, look, I want this to be another symbol to you. I want this to be a symbol of my blood poured out for you. That not only did I come to be with you, but I gave my life for you. This is the only perfect and pure blood to ever flow through human veins. It's the only thing that can cover the totality of humanity's depravity of my sin, of your sin. He covers it all, all of it, through his blood, the sacrifice that was made. This is a sacred and holy thing. Common elements with such a holy purpose. And so as we're receiving these elements right now, I'm just going to ask you to hold it in quiet. Just hold the bread, hold the cup, and think about the lengths to which God has already extended himself to you, how he's made a way to you, how he has demonstrated his most generous love. And in a moment, I'll come back and lead us through receiving these elements together. But for now, let's just take a moment of silent reflection together.
Bible tells us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Remember that I came to be with you. So let's take the bread in remembrance of him. And in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a symbol, it's a sign of the new deal, the new covenant, the new relationship that you can have with God made possible through my death and resurrection, poured out fully and freely for you. So let's take the cup in remembrance together. And I want to ask you to stand if you would, and we're going to close out our time by singing together and declaring the faithfulness of God to us. So if you would open your hands and open your heart as we join together in prayer. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, thank you for the reality that you've made possible to us. Life, real life, true life, abundant life, eternal life. Jesus, thank you that we could not do it on our own, but you did it for us anyway. And as we so often get caught up in our anxiety, our fear, we get caught up in our stress of being strapped, would you remind us that you've actually created us and invited us into an abundant life and that, God, you are faithful to us. Even, God, when we are forgetful of you, you are faithful to us, God. Even when we walk away from you, God, you never walk away from us. Even when we turn our back on you, God, your arms are open wide to us. God, thank you that every one of your promises you've made is true. And God, for every promise that we haven't seen come to pass yet, God, would you give us the faith to trust you with it? God, thank you that we can build our lives upon you. Thank you for the reality of resurrection that we get to live into. And so we say, yes, God, faithful, 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 you are, God. It's in your name that we pray and sing. Amen.